hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK. And with me, once again, the March Heron, Aaron Stewart. Welcome. Welcome again. Thank you for joining the Tea Party. Well, thank you for having me back. I, at this point, I'm, I don't even know if I'm a guest anymore. <laughs> man, man. That's, that's why I'm rolling with the March Heron stuff. I'm like, he's part of the Tea Party now. We got, we got not the greatest nickname I've ever come up with, I must admit. But if it's a little bit for now. But that's exactly why I do it. Because, yeah, you're just part of the crew now. This Well, what was a one-person crew. So thank you for always being willing to come on because I love having you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm ready to have fun. We got through free agency. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Oh yes. man. Yeah, that's a stressful time. You got predictions yeah. and everything, and you're trying to make sure not to make a fool out of yourself. But inevitably, it does, especially with the Patriots. <laughs> everything with football makes you look good. Even the best cannot get this all right because there's just it's too insane. It's too insane. But we do the best we can. Right. Right. And before we get the tea party started, I know you enjoy yourself some comic books, as do I. I forgot to send you the fucking trailer. (laughs) I did. But the trailer I'm speaking of is the Suicide Squad 2. So I'm going to go ahead and send it eventually. I'm going to maybe I'll just do it right now while we're talking. But this trailer is fantastic. And, you know, people are kind of up and down on the first Suicide Squad movie. Uh, you know, DC in general seems to have the lesser when it comes to the films. But, I, you know, I'm big on the Christopher Nolan Batmans, really most of the Batmans. I mean, they get a little weird, uh, you know, with the Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. But, it, you know, love the Batmans. And then Suicide Squad, I actually really enjoyed. I wasn't so sure why some people were down on it. Is it a five-star movie? No, but a lot of fun. And the second one, looks amazing and i partly bring it up because you know we just had a wrestling discussion not too long ago and one of the stars of suicide squad 2 is none other than none other than john cena who as a wrestler i absolutely fucking hated because he had like three moves and he's a dork and he's just jorts and he's just there's so many things about it. i just was never a fan of john cena hey, you know you always heard the crowd Let's go Cena, Cena sucks. I was the Cena sucks crowd. But he did occasionally make me laugh. And man, he looks funny as all hell in this movie. In particular, there's a part where Idris Elba, who is playing Bloodsport, John Cena looks at him and says, oh, God damn it. And what is the name of John Cena's character in this movie? See, I'm all fucked up. But it, it, Idris, he looks at Idris Elba and says, you're the leader. You're supposed to make decisions. And Idris Elba is like, okay, I've decided you need to eat a bag of dicks. And John <laughs> Cena's character is like, if you put dicks all over this island, and eat them all in the name of liberty, I would say no problemo. And it's just like, it's just so great. And I almost wonder if there was a little bit of making that a point in the movie of John Cena eating a bag of dicks. If, if that was just made for just all of us, Cena sucks people out there. <laughs> that, that line in particular, that line's glorious. I'm going to have to check out that, that trailer. You'll have to forgive me. I, I'll get so busy. 
uh, on writing articles for fantasy football and researching for fantasy football and watching things about fantasy football that I get so lost on what movies and stuff are coming out. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, but the, the, for me, there's just, there's certain ones that I just, I, I can't help it. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and here we go. I'm going to send it to you now since I didn't before I was going to send it people to Aaron before we got started so he could see it before we discussed it. But alas, We'll get, we'll get your reaction to that next time, <laughs> but it looks like a lot of fun, man. And, and, and so I'm excited for that. It's one of those that's coming straight to HBO max and uh, a lot of cool stuff. Cause next, next month we got the new mortal Kombat coming. I'm a fan of that shit. So I'm all excited for, for what's, what's coming out in the movie world, even though like you, I have a hard time keeping up. Well, I did see the, the video on that and just real quick, it was like, man, you know, with how bad the original, the original Mortal Kombat movies was, it, it was, it, it's nice that they're giving it another shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, my brother and I were talking about this because when we were. It holds up a little like it's nothing spectacular, but I do like it, it didn't really dawn on me when I was younger seeing it in the theater, but you do look back and you go like, it's cool at all, but like, it's supposed to be mortal combat. And that was like a, a street fighter movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that makes any sense. So like the trailer for this new mortal combat, man, it feels like mortal fucking combat. And so I'm excited for that. Awesome. I but can't yes. wait. So no, me neither. Mortal combat suicide squad two got my love hate relationship with john cena but i am excited to see the peacemaker that's who he's playing the peacemaker and then i really dig idris elba and him as blood sport i just think it's gonna be awesome so excited for all the i love just this kind of stuff comic book movies just get me but speaking of blood sport we turn to football and recent news and the big news going around is all the trades that happened. Miami, San Francisco, Philadelphia. You got San Francisco moving to number three, although Philadelphia was trying to. And then eventually they trade back with Miami. So now Miami's at six. A lot of stuff going on here. And what it says to me, okay, seems like Tua is safe. Jimmy G? Probably not. Which, hey, I figured that he was he was going to lose that job eventually, but Jalen Hurts maybe not so safe. So, what do you think about these trades? Who's safe at quarterback? Who's not? What does all of this mean to you? Because that's the vibes I'm getting from all of this. Well, we'll start with Tua, and I'm not going to spend too much time. I'm with him 100. percent Like with Miami trading down from from three and eventually to six. It's that that to me is showing their their commitment to to Tua because uh, and there's some people that go well there could still be a quarterback but if they were going to take a quarterback they would have stayed at pick number three. Uh, as right. for Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts, it is the commitment isn't what dynasty owners would like it to be. It does seem to be more of a year to year. Uh, thing, which which stinks. They invested a second round pick in the guy. You would like to think they would give him a, a little bit of a leash to to show what he can do. 
Um, but for people that are like, yeah, the, the, the Eagles could, could still take a quarterback. No, <laughs> like, let's just, let's cut this, uh, cut the crap on that. I think I saw someone like still talk about how Miami could also draft a quarterback. It's like, just, come on guys. Like they, they traded down if they wanted a quarterback that stay at three, but right. this upcoming season, it's Jalen Hurts season. And you know what in the NFL, we know you have, most players only have one year to, to show what they can do. So with Hertz, it's wheels up. Um, I've written an article on what I think about him for the 2021 season. So I'm rooting for him to succeed. And make sure to check that out on playerprofiler.com. You can find both of our written content on that site. Make sure to follow Aaron on the Twitters. I forgot to mention that. Aaron Stu09 on the Twitters. And it's very good points. Um, I don't foresee either. It is kind of interesting that because I did read something about maybe Philadelphia views Hertz as a backup. They drafted him to be a backup, not to be Wentz's replacement. Things went south with Wentz, blah, blah, blah. So, but like you said, now they're not going to be doing that. So we'll see how Jalen Hurts does this year. And, you know, maybe they do have some questions about him. But if they're not going to go after a quarterback, he's going to have this year to prove himself. And sometimes that's all they get. And sometimes for players, that's all they need. So, and and then then Miami. Oh yeah. Oh no, go ahead. No, go Um, ahead. I'm probably jumping the gun. I was going to talk Jimmy G, but we'll get to him. Let's let's stick with Miami here. Um, I just feel like there is some people who wonder if them trading back up to six was no, not for a quarterback. Cause like you said, if they wanted to do that, they just would have stayed at three. But they move back and then they move up again. Some people think this indicates a one Kyle Pitts. What do you think? I'll say that's that combination of him and Jacecki at tight end. Oh my goodness. Good Mm. luck. Good luck trying to defend that NFL defenses. But it's, I think the the major thing on that one is in their mind, uh, it's, starting to become clear that the start of this draft is going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. The the latter two, they may be flipped, but it seems that it's going to start three quarterbacks. And for Miami, I think the, the, the trading back up may have confused people because at first it was like, sweet, they got two extra first round picks. They're doing smart team building. Why trade up? It's possible that their commitment to two of the commitment to Tua allows them to potentially take their number one guy on their draft board. If they were like, we're set at quarterback. We know that quarterback's going to go off the board. They may have a pretty good idea. You don't make trades like this unless you have a good idea of what's going to happen in those first five picks. So with Miami, they're going to be happy because whatever, whatever they know, they just know that they're going to get their number one target. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. And then moving on to, who were we moving on to? San Francisco? <laughs> with, with Jimmy Jimmy G. Like that yes, is Jimmy G. Yeah. We're we're and starting reported. Oh, oh no, go ahead. <laughs> I've just another quarterback chain reaction again. There's like three mm-hmm. agencies done. We think things are calm, and now it looks like the domino effect's about to begin again. Right. And there were some people wondering, does this mean the Patriots go after Jimmy G? And I had read they weren't interested in Jimmy G. We'll have to see how that goes. But it does seem 
like they're doing a lot to try and help Cam Newton this year. So I kind of expect Cam to be the starter. Um, but for San Francisco, what I've read is that they might actually be interested in Mac Jones at number three. And if you ask me, Justin Fields is in that top three, and we'll get to quarterbacks in a minute. But there are some people, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, all these guys kind of right there for some teams. So maybe we see Mac Jones go at three. But regardless who it is, it's pretty clear the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Now for San Francisco, I'd just like to say one more thing. And that's that the history of this whole trading up to get a quarterback, this shit does not always pan out. Now I would like to just say since, well, in the past, since 2012, okay, back in 2012, Robert Griffin, the third, the Washington football team, then known as the Washington Foreskins. I'm sorry, the Redskins. Uh, uh, I like to go by Foreskins. But Washington, they drafted Robert Griffin III and traded up for him. Second overall pick. The 2016 Eagles, Carson Wentz. Now, can't really say he's a bust necessarily, but we go on from there. 2016 Rams, Jared Goff. 2017 Bears, Mitch Trubisky. 2018 Jets, Sam Darnold. Lots, lots of cases of this not working out so well in the past. So hopefully they make the right decision. Now, the good news is, is that I really do like the quarterbacks in this drive. And again, we'll get to the quarterbacks, but this does does seem on the surface, at least to be a pretty solid quarterback class. So you'd like to think they might be able to get this one right. But again, as always, (sighs) history shows otherwise. Well, and, and I agree with you here. This quarterback class is very intriguing and I'm not going to mention too, too much about Jimmy G. Cause I think that people that are listening to the show, people that follow football, they, they know most, most of the stuff. They know the teams that are interested that need quarterbacks. I'm going to throw one dark horse team to watch Las Vegas Raiders. They seem to mm. have a love hate relationship with Derek Carr, but my, they my, sure fucking do. Yeah, and but my and John Gruden loves every quarterback, but the one he has. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it seems it's, it's they're the they're the next MVP of the league if you listen to him. But my bold prediction here is one of the contract things with Jimmy G is he actually has a no trade clause, and mm. he's owed a lot of money this year. I I don't think I think teams are getting smarter. We're starting to see this in recent years. Teams are getting smarter. They know that like the the team in this case the 49ers they're going to move on from Jimmy G teams are probably going to wait, especially with most of the quarterbacks, the free agent quarterbacks have signed. So that's a lot less teams. I think there's only about four teams that really need quarterbacks. I think Jimmy G gets released and then he gets to sign with whoever he wants. That would be interesting as well. And in that case, I could definitely see him back on the Patriots. So we'll see. It'll be, it'll be interesting, but that definitely shook things up a little bit, makes the draft a little bit more interesting, you know, makes the uh, quarterback carousel even more interesting. So yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. And then you also had Leonard Fournette resigning with the bucks. They're just reloading. They're going to 
they're going to just basically take that same squad and try it again. Sammy Watkins signing with the Baltimore Ravens. I actually kind of like that, um, to be honest. And I'd like to see what he does there. Um, And it just does seem like, man, they had some offers out. And it sounds like they had a better offer out for Juju than Pittsburgh did. And, and, you know, it just sounds like some guys just don't want to play in Baltimore, or at least that's what it seems. Um, I don't know if I completely buy that, but I can be more convinced of it in this year where there are receivers just trying to get through this one year of low salary cap. And a lot of them take it, you know, the one year we talked about this and I could see how, you know, some of them would say, man, if I really want to get some numbers and show what I can do in a one year, I'm not trying to do that with Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I do think that's a lot of these guys, these free agents mindsets with this year, but overall, what are your thoughts on Watkins, the reloading of the bucks, anything there you find particularly interesting? I'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a really good job by the GM. He brought back all 22 starters and in the NFL with a salary cap and everything. That's, that's just unheard of. So really good job by the front office to make that happen. Um, and also that deal with Fournette. It's a one-year deal. Ronald Jones is right. on an expiring contract. So for Dynasty, if you are a believer in Keyshawn Vaughn, this is the cheapest he has ever been. And I, Go I, don't, know what, his ass. I don't know what his cost is, but if, if you like the guy, and shoot, his ass. Shoot, even if you're looking for value, it's there because – Next year, the two guys in front of them, they're both free agents. Vaughn's the only running back that will be under contract. So, my goodness, you know, you'll have to be patient. But <laughs> in a year's time, if you trade some some late pick, I don't know, a third-round rookie pick, I don't know what his price is. But if, if you can get him that cheap, know. it may be, yeah. may be pretty nice, uh, especially a rookie fever. Rookie fever is hitting now. We've got pro days everything and we're going to talk about some of these rookies so when teams when your dynasty league starts getting active again and they want a draft pick that's when you capitalize you get the guy you trade a draft pick and you get a guy that was drafted late first round early second round in rookie drafts last year heck yeah that's how you win a dynasty right i completely agree great opportunity to buy him because he's cheap as hell right now and i'll pay a third rounder to see what he does next year if anything and if it if it burns me, okay, whatever. It was a third rounder. And like you said, this is that time of year. Dynasty players are interested in those rookie picks. Yes. They want rookie. It's just, you know, that whole lead up to the draft. People's, you know, mouths salivate at the thought of more draft picks, rookie draft, because everybody loves drafting, right? And it's very exciting to go after the rookies. So everybody loves that stuff. Give me more rookie picks. And that's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, let me slide you a third, take a flyer on Mr. Keyshawn Johnson, because that's a talented dude that I just think you know, it's unfortunate. It might be his third year before he gets some run, but we also don't know how this year will play out. We don't know how Ronald Jones will look. We don't know how Leonard Fournette will look. We don't know if either one of them will get injured or not. This, it could happen this year, but for realistic purposes, looking at how the setup is now, like you said, we can look at next year as maybe they do a little something with Keyshawn Vaughn. So I definitely like that call. Do you have anything on Sammy? 
really with Watkins, he hasn't excited. That's this poor guy. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been years since he's been fantasy relevant. And mm-hmm. if if anyone's listened to the show and they're not already, you need to follow Josh Larkey on Twitter. He had a funny tweet about like just thanking Sammy Watkins for being the veteran receiver to sign in Baltimore so that in the rookie receiver, maybe doesn't get drafted by Baltimore and have their dynasty value just crater with Watkins. Uh, I mean, with Mahomes, he was getting about 500, 600 receiving yards and doing nothing uh, besides that. One, he'll have one yearly performance where he decides to score two touchdowns. It's for fantasy purposes. There's a reason a lot of receivers we're staying away from Baltimore. That that team just doesn't throw a lot to begin with, but they run so many multiple tight end sets that receivers get devalued. So best of luck right. to Sammy Watkins. And it is a weapon for Lamar Jackson. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I don't know what your hopes can be for fantasy, but I do think for football, this could be a very good, reliable target for Lamar. <laughs> Particularly, you know, if these tight ends that he loves to throw to so much are bottled up, it's just another place to look. He's a veteran. I think it's a very good real-life football signing for Baltimore. Yep. And, again, not, I don't know what you can expect fantasy-wise, but, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Agree where you're at as well. And then we do have the mention of the 17-game season. We're going to be getting 17 games this year so you got to think about that fantasy wise they only get you know the one buy still there's no two buys it sounds like so this is all very interesting because you know we're already the final week of the season you know getting to a point in fantasy where if you play the the fantasy playoffs and, and you're going through and you go all the way through week 17 you're doing it wrong you know, you need to end in week 60. So I'm curious to see how dynasty commissioners, well, fantasy commissioners in general, how they're going to handle it this year, because my opinion, and I'll probably put it up to a vote in my leagues that I run because that's mostly what I do. But in my opinion, I think this is a case where you got to leave it where it is for the first year to see what those final two weeks with that extra week is like, I guess I should say, because are we going to get an extra week of actual football to where we can move back our fantasy playoffs one week for an extra week of regular season action or, or do we need to keep it where it's at? Because maybe that extra game plays just like week 17 does in recent history. But what if, Week 17 also plays like we said. You know what I'm saying? What if we get both those last two weeks are not the best of football? So I think there's a reason, there's a good reason to just leave it this year and see how the season plays out with this extra game before deciding to push back your playoffs. Because then the other situation with that is, is that then you're getting 14 games instead of 13 games for the regular season in fantasy that could cause some issues when it comes to tiebreakers and stuff. It's a lot, it's a lot nicer to have that odd number of games for the records, you know, but uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think it'd be smart for most commissioners to just leave your Super Bowl and week 16 this year until you see really how that extra week is played. Well, really how the week before is played. 
and I'm kind of taking the proactive approach in one of my main leagues of at least telling my league mates, like, look, here's what they're, they're going to have an extra game this season. There's going to be an extra week. Please follow this league here and be ready, be ready to talk about like any possible changes that we'll have in the dynasty league. Um, our format's a little bit different, so I won't get into specifics, but I'm at least already now on March 28th, uh, 29th when people hear this, like I've already messaged the league and I'm like, guys, just be ready to discuss something as, as early as the preseason. Cause I, as we get closer to the season, we'll have a better idea of how this is going to work right now. We just have the shifty right. tweet that said that we're going to have an extra game this season. So uh, I want to kind of wait a little bit. We're going to wait and get some information, but for commissioners, you need to start reaching out to your league members in those leagues that you basically have the same members going in, going in each season or like the same core. Like I've got a 14 team league and we usually have, like 12, 13 returning people. So it's like we already are talking with those members to just be prepared that we may change something with the schedule when we have more information. And I think that's a good way to handle it. Good advice. Good advice right there. All right. Wrapping up the news. We got to get into some rookie chatter. Talk about some of these rookies that we've kind of been, you know, alluding to. And just so everyone knows, if you haven't seen it yet, this was pretty much uh, Alvin Kamara's response to uh, the 17-game season. Uh, this is pretty much what he had to say to the NFL. You suck, you jackass. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into some rookie chatter. The chatter, the heron, back to talk some, some rookie nonsense. But before we do, uh, uh, Aaron was so nice to point out to me during the break. That I I had said carry on Johnson when talking about or no oh, what Keyshawn did I say? Johnson Keyshawn Johnson when I was talking about Keyshawn Vaughn. Goodness, I I don't even have I must have been thinking about the old school wide receiver. That's all I could think of. But next time, Aaron, point it out to me. You, it's it's okay. So, hey Ryan, you said Keyshawn Johnson. I think you meant Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, I haven't been but, checking my phone. I was just making sure there wasn't like a Shefty thing that I was missing and uh, another re- uh, receiver coming out of retirement. So right. and I, I want to make sure I didn't have egg on my face. So. Hey, I want to come back and play with Brady. <laughs> I can see it. Okay, so we get into the rookies. Now, I found, obviously, this year it's a lot different. You don't have the combine. So there's some players we don't have complete profiles for. And that's shitty. It sucks because for people like us, we follow the analytics. Okay. And, I, and I've got a little something for that here coming up. But we follow the analytics. So we need as many numbers, as many metri- metrics as possible uh, to, to do the best you know, we can in analyzing these players. And so it kind of sucks that we, we aren't getting the combine in that. And obviously for good reason, but you know, we got to do what we can. So obviously plenty of players without, you know, some workout metrics and things like that. So we're going to be doing the best we can, but it is, it is a different year. 
very different. And, and because of that, I got to spark this blunt and get this quote, particularly since I'm throwing out Keyshawn Johnson, the old retired receipt, like he's coming back. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking, but anyway, yes. What do you think? It's hard to do without some of the metrics. Yes. Yeah. Although I'll say in particular quarterbacks, I just find that even with analytics and the numbers and the metrics and everything I've, I've had very little success in being able to correctly predict how they're all going to shake out. It seems that's the quarterback's the hardest position to predict because there's so many variables. Like is the quarterback going to go to an Adam Gase coach team? Like that's, that's now one of my metrics. If Adam Gase is involved, I'm staying away from the quarterback. I don't care if it's the second coming to Jesus. (laughs) Poor Sam Darnold. Oh, but I do. I, I completely agree. Quarterback is so hard. I don't know what it is. It just, I felt like there's, I feel like we're missing some numbers, some metrics. We're missing something for quarterback to help us better identify. But I'm not smart enough to figure out what the fuck it is that we're missing. I just feel like it's there. So we talk quarterbacks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the one at the top likely to go to Jacksonville. And then after that, you got Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. You've got Trask in there. But it does seem now that the first few picks are going to be quarterbacks. And we'll have to see because I've read New York is looking at Zach Wilson. And if that's true, is San Francisco looking at Fields, Lance, Mac Jones, because I read a little something earlier that said they might be interested in Mac Jones. So it's interesting to see what will all happen here. But as far as the quarterbacks themselves, like I mentioned in the last segment, I actually feel really good about this class. And then history says that it won't pan out. They won't all pan out, as mentioned. But I really like these top QBs. And I'm kind of interested to see where they all go because I could see this beat winning being one of the better quarterback classes. Now, you know, as well as I do, that's dependent on coach. You brought up Gase. You can't, you can't really raise someone up if they're, if they're going to play for Adam Gase, but depending on landing spot and things like that, I could definitely see most of these guys playing well, being starters in the NFL. What do you think? Who are some of the ones you like? I I, I find Trey Lance, very intriguing, but I really do. I like Zach Wilson. I mean, I saw some of the stuff from his pro day. He's look, I like Justin Fields person. Like I really like the top five guys quite a bit. So I'm going to start with Zach Wilson. Cause I know that especially in fantasy football, it's a very divisive guy. It, for the most part, Trevor Lawrence is everyone's consensus. Number one, some people go Justin Fields too. And I, I have no problems with that. Uh, But when it gets to Zach Wilson, there's people that absolutely love him that have him. Some people probably have him over Trevor Lawrence, but it's Zach Wilson seems to be number two for most people, but you see him as low as number five. Some people may even put him below Mac Jones. It's all over the place with Zach Wilson. and, And I get it. Like as you mentioned, more analytics guys, we look at the numbers one of the things we, we look for in players is we want to see guys produce early and, and produce at a high level. And, and Zach Wilson, it was 
kind of shaky for a little bit until this past season, he put together a remarkable season. Now, actually, he did have a, a high breakout age. He had a 19.1, 91st percentile breakout age. And his metrics, if you go to player profiler, they're all 90th percentile or higher. It's like, holy mm-hmm. moly, including a very yep. impressive 11.0, 97th percentile yards per attempt, which mm-hmm. came from this past season. And, and the the thing that I get, not necessarily from playing style, but how things have gone with how scouts love the way he throws football and his pro day and, and everything, is I kind of get a Josh Allen vibe from him where the, the scouts – Interesting. The scouts and coaching staff, they love like the this natural talent. But at the same time, there are some – if you look at some player reports for him, there's he, he's a gunslinger. Uh, he's going to make some throws that – he may want to take back. And, and what I'll say is with Josh Allen, and I was not a fan of Josh Allen and he proved me wrong me this past season, but this may be like how the Zach Wilson career here is if he can work on some of those tendencies, which seem to be stuff that can be coached out of him, then yeah, holy moly, like this guy could have that type of ceiling. It's just, there's a lot of question marks. I I don't, I'm not going to go that high with him, but you kind of stole the main guy that, that, that I'm interested in when you mentioned Trey Lance. Oh my goodness. The, the potential in this guy, it may not be year one because what we have to remember is he went, he played in the FCS. Like that's not, that's not only is that not power five football, that's not Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, stuff like that. It's not even, like my alma mater, Texas State football. It is the tier below that. So Trey Lance, he did have the season where he didn't throw any interceptions back in 2019, and he mm-hmm. dominated. And honestly, for over a thousand yards rushing, 14 yeah. TDs. Yeah. So showing this dual threat ability. And look, if you're going to play at the lower uh, competition, lower level of competition. That's what you need to do. You need to just straight up dominate. Right. That will always be a question mark on his profile, but there is a little interesting tidbit about him. It's not that he couldn't play at the next level. In fact, he was being recruited by the Minnesota coach, PJ Fleck, but PJ Fleck wanted him to play safety, not quarterback. So he went to North Dakota state because he got to play quarterback, but that, that thing stood out to me about how a college coach at Minnesota a power five school wanted him to play safety. Like you're not going right. to ask Mac Jones to play safety, you know, unathletic right. quarterback. So like Trey Lance, what that says to me is he obviously had to have athleticism or still has athleticism. If he was asked to play safety, especially the way football is today, safety has got to cover all of the field. So that right there shows that he's athletic. I haven't seen any testing numbers for him, but he's athletic. Mm-hmm. He can throw, he can run. He's only 20 years old. And a lot of the things I see from yes. people that break down film is they, it usually comes down to technique and inexperience. They go, he's only thrown 318 passes. Oh, okay. Like, so you're telling me there's room for growth and I'm going to hit you with the team. I right. want him to go to, I want him to go to Carolina. Matt Rule Ooh, and, I like that. and Joe Brady getting Trey Lance. Absolutely. They need to, I, if they can move up to pick number four, assuming that the top three quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, if they can move up to number four to get Trey Lance, that would be awesome. The only problem is 
their division rival Atlanta Falcons own that pick. So would would the Falcons be willing to make that deal so that their division rival gets their franchise quarterback for 10 years? I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. I do like the landing spot though. It's I really am interested to see how this plays out because after Trevor Lawrence, it is kind of, I mean, it does seem like the jets are leaning to towards taking Zach Wilson, but you know, it's kind of a crap shoot after that. And I really like Lance. He's young. He's got the rushing ability because that's another thing I was going to bring up is when it comes down to it with the rookie quarterbacks and being, you know, you know, how iffy it is, how hard it is to really kind of nail down which ones are going to be productive. I really aim for the ones that have rushing upside. And I do that in general, but I've spoken about, I've wrote about it, spoke about it, but quarterbacks with that mobility and it doesn't have to just be they run for a bunch of yards that's helpful but even Aaron Rodgers who only rushed for a hundred and some yards this past year just the ability like he and a Russell Wilson to extend the play and move around outside the pocket and wait for a receiver to get open that's adding value it just is. And, you know, that's something that you can't put on paper or anything like that. But when your quarterback, when Aaron Rodgers is back there buying time and he hits Devonte Adams deep, I've seen it. Someone like a Kirk Cousins isn't going to do that. There's a difference between these quarterbacks. And those are the kinds that I'm going to, you know, mainly target for my teams is the ones with mobility and rushing upside. Absolutely. 100% there. And Trey Lance, he is probably the – him and Zach Wilson, those are boom bust quarterbacks. Like they have the potential to be the most fantasy relevant quarterbacks in this draft. But if if they're not able to put that put it all together, and that's a lot to ask of these really young quarterbacks, if it just doesn't yeah. click, and Josh Rosen 2.0 right there. So I'm hope not. And especially Trey Lance, that is the guy I'm rooting for the most. Right. I like him a lot. And it's it's landing spot will be key. I think landing spot is probably more important for quarterback than anything else. Yes. Just because bad coaching staff, bad organizations, they can just ruin a quarterback. Yeah. Cause imagine Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't go to Kansas city and he ends up in a New York situation or Chicago yeah. or it's, and they put him in there uh, when he's not ready. And, it, and it, man, that's an alternate universe. I don't want to imagine. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right. Now moving on to running backs. Okay. We have Travis Etienne is a lot of people's kind of clear number one. And I was listening to um, some stuff with, with Matt Kelly, Nate Liss earlier and talking about um, Matt Kelly talking about how much it, it mattered that, that ATN had decent weight. That once they found out what his weight was and why that was important. And I'm looking at these running backs and this is probably like, normally I love attacking this position for some reason. I'm just not super excited about this class. I don't find it overall as impressive as some other recent ones. And maybe part of that is I'm, I'm not seeing, you know, enough workout metrics from, these players and so i'm missing that visual visually maybe is affecting my judgment but i'm just looking at it and it just doesn't feel like 
Like, I mean, man, last year we were spoiled. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. I mean, it, for those still like them, some Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Clyde, blah, blah, blah. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. you got him. I mean, look at all the guys. And then it just doesn't feel the same this year. It, it, Najee Harris's age bothers me. I mean, he'll be 23 and a half when the season starts. And we've talked about this, this running back age apex and just how they just don't do it after age 26. And it's like, am I really that, that Najee Harris feels like drafting a guy for just a couple of years. It did like, I, I could be wrong, but so the guys I'm really looking at are the guys after them, Javante Williams, Jamar Jefferson. These are the guys I'm looking at. And, and, and then a little bit down the list, I like some Stevie Scott from Indiana. I mean, this fucker last year, 10 touchdowns, I'm sorry, 10 plus touchdowns in all three years of his career with Indiana. And so I I, kind of like some of the stuff on this guy's profile. But again, this goes back to we don't have all the metrics and things like that. So even Javonta Williams, Jamar Jefferson, guys that I kind of like, it's hard to tell because we don't know how athletic they are. We don't know how fast they are. But if I'm going to look at this, I'm probably going to agree that Etienne's at the top. But for me, I like Williams and Jefferson. What are your thoughts on this class? Because I don't, I don't honestly have a ton. It's a, it's this is the one position where like I would really, really love those juicy workout metrics. And and I mean, you want them for all positions, obviously. But like, I just feel like, man, you can tell so much from a running back with those, and it bothers me that they're not here. So perhaps that is why I'm a little bit more down on this class. Is there anything you could say to enlighten me, to, to pump me up, to get me a little more excited there? Certainly. Well, we're going to start with addressing kind of the, the, the elephant in the room here. And that's this class seems underwhelming, especially con- uh, compared to last season. And the big reason for that is the top two guys, whether you go Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, it doesn't matter. Those guys shockingly came back to school after having productive junior seasons. And when we were doing rankings for last year's rookie running backs, Etienne and Najee Harris, they were behind like a lot of those guys you talked about, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Camp Akers. Those guys were in front of Etienne and Najee Harris on so many rankings. I, I can't recall any rankings where those the two 2021 running backs were ahead of those four. And even some people, Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the insane production at LSU, they would have bumped him over Najee Harris. So it's it's one of those, the it's underwhelming because it really is. There isn't this like uh, junior running back that that didn't have, that doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on, on the tires there. But the, the consensus top right. three, like joining Etienne and Harris is Javante Williams. Williams is very, very interesting. I've, I've had plenty of very smart people that, that I trust in, in fantasy football that watch this stuff more than I do when it comes to rookies tell me that you don't need to sleep on Javante Williams. This guy is serious. And actually, North Carolina's got their pro day tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, or <sighs> later today. So the yeah, 29th, yeah. by the time people listen to this podcast, we'll already have metrics out for, for Javante Williams. Jamar Jefferson, as you mentioned, that guy is a bit of a wild card. Uh, shout out to Cody Carpentier. He was the guy that first brought him to my attention. 
Like I said, I mm. try to follow rookies. That's hard during the season. I stay very busy. I got to stay on what I know best. I'm good at dynasty stuff with the people that are already in the league. But he brought Jamar Jefferson to my attention. But one of the things, too, is on Player Profiler, they have a big board under their Dynasty Deluxe, which shows you can the average like draft position of these guys. And Jamar Jefferson is projected to go around pick 150. That could change. But right now, like that's late fourth round that draft capital mm. would concern me if that's where he ends up going because that does yeah. that's that's in the like chase Edmonds area and man you don't want your number four running back in the in this draft class to be chase Edmonds where you're waiting year after right. year after year to maybe get a productive fantasy season um other guys chubba hubbard is actually i should have mentioned him with etn and Najee harris because he was another yeah, extremely productive guy. 2,000 yards. Yeah, rushing. I left his name out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was how deep the class was last year before all these guys came back. It's probably why they came back. There was all these top right. guys. But, man, it's this year's running back class is it's the guys that nobody wanted last year are now entering this draft. Uh, Kenny Gainwell. Right. I know you're a huge fan of Kenny Gainwell. Uh, and mm-hmm. Gainwell is intriguing to me. I mean, you can't help but – pull up the box score and be like, he put up what receiving stat line. Uh, but, but you do put on the film and you're like, this guy's, uh, this guy's explosive. And he actually addressed the same question that Travis Etienne had, which it's like, this guy's great. He can catch passes. He looks explosive. Yes. He's playing in a smaller conference, which is why we got to knock him down a little bit, but he did come in slightly over 200 pounds he, at five, eight, he was 201 pounds. He hit a 30.6 BMI. 59th percentile we can work with that that is just good enough just like with etn uh weighing in at 215 pounds and running a 4.50 40 yard dash it's like okay they gained weight and they're still fast we can work with this right Uh, now my like deep sleeping running back is everyone remembers last season james robinson this undrafted free agent running back came out of nowhere and had if you got him in your rookie drafts he may have won your league just off the value of that there's one guy this year that kind of looks like the 2021 james robinson now note to people listening to the show not a film grinder. I don't watch film at, at all. I just, I'm looking at analytics and look at numbers. And, and this guy right. here, Jaquan Hardy, out of the college called Tiffin, never heard of it before. But this is a guy, will he be drafted? Coming from a college like Tiffin? I don't think so. I'm maybe seventh round, not having a scouting combine hurts. But Jaquan Hardy, he comes in, he's what, 5'11, 225 pounds. He has the BMI. College yards per carry, I know that that's not the best stat for running backs. 7.6 yards per carry is 96 percentile. And when you play at Tiffin, it's not like you've got the best offensive line blocking. Like, sure, they're probably blocking future accountants, but I attribute this high yards per carry in a small college. Like, the running back's got to be doing something right. I wish right. we had some workout metrics. I'm seeing nothing right now on player profiler, but at least right now what he checks is he's got great size. He's got the BMI in the 88th percentile. You know Fuck what? Yeah, for, a late, size. for a late round pick there, and I want to try and find the next James Robinson, I'll take him late in rookie drafts if he doesn't do anything. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. And look, looking at his college production, it looks like he took – he opted out of last season. But 2019, Jesus. 
204 <laughs> rushes, over 1,500 rush yards, 7.6 yards per carry. Like, total touchdowns, 16. Yep. I mean, like, I love it. I love it. So I, I love this call a lot. And I really like you brought up Chuba Hubbard and Kenny Gainwell because I like both of those guys. Yeah. I'm not sure why I left them off for some because I do like the Gainwell, but I also think like Gainwell is somebody that everybody seems to be on. So I kind of yeah. like to look elsewhere. And and I and so I love Javonta Williams. If you ask me, I think he could end up being the top back in this class. But Jamar Jefferson just fascinates me. Yes. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I just – and you look at his college stats and the games go to – everything goes down. It's like he broke out early, 12 games, over 1,000 yards. He had 25 receptions, all, all of this in 2018. And then in 2019, he plays fewer games. Last year, only six. And so is injury a concern there? There's a lot of question marks to Jefferson, but I kind of find him intriguing in the same way that I do with Trey Lance. So those are definitely – there's some guys I like, but it, yes, like you said, underwhelming is a very good word for it. But it, like I said, I think Javante Williams, if, if me – in dynasty rookie drafts, if I've got a higher pick, I might be. I mean, let's see what the pro day produces. I would be interested in those workout metrics, but I, I've got a lot of faith in Javonta Williams based on everything I've read. Because I'm not a film writer either. I go based on numbers, and then I try and look look at people who do grind film and kind of get some of their thoughts on things. And just from everything I've read, seen all of that, Javonta Williams. That's my pick. That's my guy in this class. And there's one last thing I want to add real quick. I got to kind of plug one of my recent articles just real quick here. Of course. I I talked about Mr. A.J. Dillon because, of course, Aaron Jones signing. What do we do with A.J. Dillon? I even mentioned talking about this running back class. By the end of the second round, there's nothing left at running backs. So if you're really hurting for running backs – and throw a late second, maybe even a third round. If it's more casual league, you can get away with throwing a early to mid third round pick. Try and get AJ Dillon because you know what? It's Dillon. When you look at some of the guys towards the in that second tier, you compare him to Chuba Hubbard, Kenny Gainwell, potentially Jamar Jefferson. It's like, hey, Dillon may be better than, than these guys. I'm not entirely sure. So if you're hurting at running back in your rookie drafts and you're the defending champ and you're picking at the end of, of the rookie rookie rounds there. Throw a late second round pick, get AJ Dillon. Uh, check out my article on Aaron Jones, and I'll tell you why. Like it's AJ Dillon season's not dead yet. If you're a truther for him, there's still a path for success for him. Shameless plug. My apologies. There you go. Hey, I love it. <laughs> check out all the stuff on playerprofiler.com. I'll have some stuff coming out. Later this week, too, got a little bit of a, a look-ahead piece, and then I'm going to get to writing on some Kenny Galladay. All thanks to my friend Aaron, of course. So we got quarterbacks, running backs down. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and get into these wide receivers. Another very interesting position in this draft. What do you say, Aaron? 
Let's do it. We'll take a break and get into yes. the best position group of this draft. Yes, yes, this will be this will be fun. I did very interesting, but I definitely got to go relieve the bladder. So let's take a break. Okay, okay, we are back. Bladders are emptied. Good to go. Good to get into the wide receiver portion of this rookie chatter because this is a little bit more exciting to talk about than the running backs. Now, first off, first off, I'm going to take over for just a sec and go on a quick rant because I'm fading Devonta Smith. I don't care. I'm okay if I'm wrong. See, I'm diehard analytics and metrics. And if it's taught me one thing since I've really got into it, it's that the most important thing it can do for you is help you avoid bus. Okay. I never rostered any Kevin White. Okay. Because I followed the analytics. And of course, that means at times you will miss out on outliers because there will be those exceptions. But for the most part, you're going to be drafting producers, not bus who are out of the year, a league in a few years. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so point is, I'm okay being wrong if Devonta Smith is an outlier. Everything I'm looking at says red flags, red flags, red flags. And I know we talked off pod and you mentioned he might be a bargain. And I will of course, allow you to explain. But to me, I'm just, I just, I, more often than not, avoiding these kinds of players works out. And so I'm going to continue to do that and, and not even worry about this dude. And no matter how far he falls, I probably will not have him rostered at all. Now, please explain your thoughts because I do agree there's a point where he's worth taking for sure. I'm not still going to do it. I'm sorry. That's just me. But I do agree with that. So what do you think? Aaron? Well, I, I think my stance on Devontae Smith is that before the whole draft process, I mean, back in during this past season where he won the Heisman Trophy, it's the, the negative on him was he's too skinny. He doesn't have enough weight. And that's why that's what makes him an outlier. I agree with you on that. Um, what I want dynasty managers to be careful about is to take his his weight to, to count against him twice for the same issue here because recently it came up that he, he once again didn't weigh and, and he told reporters yeah i'm 170 but he didn't actually weigh himself so you know of course you go if you weigh 170 why not step on the scales so probably means he's not 170 and I've seen people push them down the rankings and it's like, whoa, 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 that process isn't correct. Like we, we've already, you should have already had them at a certain point because of the weight, like don't push mm -hmm. them down again because of the same issue. It's we, right. we correct ourselves when like a player like Travis Etienne actually answers the question, well, how much is he going to weigh? Is he going to crack 200 pounds? And Etienne was 215. It's like, awesome. 
that was our one big problem with ETN from the analytics side. And it's like, we will move him up because he, he was able to prove that the one knock that we had on him was, it was a non-issue. So I just want dynasty managers to just be, be smart about it. Wherever you have him in your rankings, you shouldn't be moving him down because of his weight again. Totally agree there. And I think what that is, is there's a good chance some of that is people that had him higher because they weren't concerned about the weight until, until they actually were concerned about the weight. <laughs> right. But I, it, it, for me, I, it, like, it's a good collegiate player, but I'm just going based on history, Yep. looking at the numbers, these kinds of players better off fading. So it, I'll continue to do that. But I do agree with all of your points on Devontae Smith. It's- now, when it comes to the rest of the guys at the top, you got Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore. You got some other guys, Terrace Marshall's one, people, Jalen Waddle. So some of these guys are pretty interesting. Now, me, I'm really interested in Rashad Bateman. There's, I feel a lot to like about this guy. There's a a couple of concerns, but man, I look at his profile and then I watch some highlights and I'm like, holy crap. And I know that's not in any way like film watching or anything, but (laughs) it's, and it's another one of those. We don't know because we don't have any workout metrics for him, but six to 210 pounds. 88th percentile college dominator. Now, yards per reception, not the greatest. But college target share, 87%. Breakout age, 95th percentile. I also, I do, Minnesota is one of the few college teams that I kind of picked. I've had this discussion before, my thoughts on college football. But I pay a little attention to the Gophers. And, dude, just intrigues me and I'd like to see more. I'd like to see again, some workout metrics and landing spot is key with a lot of, as is with most rookies. But I think when you look at these receivers, Jamar chase feels like a given, right? Yeah. And then after that, you're kind of looking and I think I got to go Bateman. But I also like a lot of these guys until until we get to, you, you know, you get past Elijah Moore and you look at Diami Brown, if I'm even saying that right. Tylen Wallace is kind of interesting. I like him. But Amon Ross, St. Brown, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, and Jalen Waddle, I wrote this down. Sorry, I forgot to mention this when I mentioned him earlier, but he averaged over 80% catch rate his entire collegiate career. That's insane. That's Did you steal insane. my notes? I had that down there too. That's a, like, look at that. Same way. <laughs> That's awesome that we both, are, I should have, I should have, you know what? I, we'll pretend I forgot that. And you just use it in your argument. <laughs> I never remembered that I was going to say that. You just go ahead and you bring that up again. But so I do like Jalen Waddle a lot, uh, but right up at, there at the top, you know, I feel like if you can't get Jamar Chase, Bateman's the guy. So what are your thoughts on the, on the, at least at the top of this uh, wide receiver class? 
well, certainly Jamar Chase for me is hands down like the one on one of the receivers. Like I, I still, I still remember watching the national championship game and, and watch him play. And, and this is like I enjoy a good college football game, but some some of the players I, I'm not actually I don't know a whole lot about them until I'm starting to prepare for rookie drafts. I could have mm. sworn the guy was like six four because he makes those. <laughs> He, Trevor Lawrence would just fling the ball up in the air and he'd, he'd always catch it. And I was like, he, mm. you know, he must be Julio Jones. And then I find out he's like six foot. I'm like, wow. So chase chase with that sophomore season, like that's, that's what we want in, in analytics is I mean, we want that early season and that type of dominance mm. at that age. When, when the discussion was Devonte Smith and Jamar chase is like, look, what Devonte Smith did was incredible. Don't get me wrong. But what Jamar Chase did at a much younger age is more incredible to me than Devontae Smith, who at that point was a finished product in college. And I'll kind of transition to Devontae Smith's teammate, Jalen Waddell. Like we talked about the 80 plus percent catch rate in all three seasons. But the other thing, mm. too, was in 20 at the start of 2020, first four games, like this Devontae Smith Heisman Trophy season, it would have happened if Jalen Waddell hadn't broken his ankle. Because Jalen Waddle was outpacing Devontae Smith for yards. That's that's the incredible thing. Uh, and and I'm actually I I am an Alabama fan. I know I'm going to catch some some grief on that one. One one of their head coaches lives in my hometown. You know you know cut me some slack on that one. But with with Jalen Waddle, like I, when watching the games throughout these seasons, like Waddle is a guy that just looks electrified. And it also shows up too that he had 600 plus special teams yards in 2019 like he's dynamic as well right so, so Jalen Waddle's a guy that he his he doesn't get enough attention because of course as you mentioned Bateman Bateman looks like well, we're waiting on these workout metrics but he looks like what we want to build a receiver right he's 6'2 210 pounds all the 90th percentile like advanced metrics if he tests out as athletic as Rondell mm. Moore it's like oh my gosh put those two guys together that's the perfect receiver Rondell Moore holy crap he's he was a freak athlete but you know he five seven <laughs> five seven right 180 pounds man I wish I could give him some height that's really that's the only thing that's really missing and I'm not gonna I'm not going to count that against him too too much because it's I just hope that teams utilize him the correct way like don't be throwing jump ball although with a but a 42 and a half inch vertical that may not be a problem with him. Uh, some of the guys a little further down Terrace Marshall, like we, we talked about Jamar Chase's 2019 season and that LSU team also had Justin Jefferson who had this historic NFL rookie season as a receiver. Well, Terrace mm. Marshall actually broke out during that 2019 season. His breakout, his breakout age was during that, that year as the third receiving option on a passing offense. Uh, he also has the sixth best teammate score and the seventh best level of competition amongst the receivers because, you know, you play in the SEC and I know it's kind of cliche there, but you're playing against the best. Right. I like it, man. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I got some guys down the list. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. <laughs> down the list that I really like. And a couple of, like, one of them I mentioned before the pod, 
you had no idea who the hell he was. So I'll get to I'll get to him in a second. That's going to be fun. But Sage Surratt. Now he opted out in 2021, as did Warren Jackson, the other guy I like. Both of them didn't play in 2021. So we're looking at their 2020 seasons. And for Sage Surratt, he had a sophomore breakout, over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's 23 years old. I was watching some highlights of this dude, and man, right landing spot, right QB. I, I'm just, I, I really like this guy in the later rounds of rookie drafts. Warren Jackson is another one. He had a junior breakout, opted out in 2021. He's 22 years old, over 1,000 yards in that junior breakout season, eight touchdowns. Love what this guy brings to the table. And then my boy, who I'm going to rep the rest of the offseason, and that's Josh Imatorbebe. This dude transferred to Illinois from USC. And he was on the verge of breaking out. But he got an ankle injury. And this was at Illinois. Or, I'm sorry, USC. And they were just starting to use him more. Break. He has this ankle injury. He's out. He ends up transferring to Illinois. And you, so you could see why the issue with this guy is you look at his breakout age. Give me one second and I'll show you what it is. But this can really help explain that being that he got injured, transferred. And then when he gets to Illinois, he's in a couple of games his first year. Then his second year, he works his way up to 10 games. And then his third year, he only plays seven. And so maybe there's a question mark with injuries. But this dude, where did my stats go for him? Aside from breakout age and, you know, subpar 40-yard da dash, he's got – the speed score, the burst score, the catch radius. He's got 93rd percentile college dominator, a 71st in yards per reception. So it, and I mean, he played for Illinois, not some world beater college team, but I feel like it, this is someone to keep an eye on. And if he goes anywhere that has where he has the potential to work up the depth chart, I can see it happening. There's a lot to like about this dude's profile. And uh, so that's my kind of late round guy that I'm super hella excited about. I'm going to say, if I can learn how to spell that guy's name, I'll be looking him up because I'm very <laughs> intrigued by that. I don't know. Thank goodness Google can help me out on spelling that. Yes. But my goodness, the workout metrics on that guy. And, and one of the things before I mention my guys that I want to applaud you for that people that when they're doing their rankings and their analytics guys like us, it's very important to ask the question, why? Why is this stat so high, so low? Because I know a very quick example from last year is Brandon Ayuk's breakout age last year was one of the mm. things that I was like, I don't get it. Why are people high on this guy? And then I started doing research and found out all kinds of things that he had to go to community college, not because of skill, but because of grades and that he had actually gotten mm. an offer from Alabama and, you know, Nick Saban's coming for you. You're talented. So, you know, like my whole point of mention that is 
thank you for like going and diving into the, the, the question marks there, the breakout age and finding mm. out why, because now like that may be what was missing about that guy that, Hey, that's, that's how you find these late round gems, but I've got a few right. guys. I've got a few guys. Well, it, nope. Before you get to that, let me just add on to that thought because I, I do agree. It's very important to do man, because is, as you mentioned with IU, but like it, for me, if I'm looking at a profile and there's several question marks, then it gets to be, okay, I might have to pass on this profile because there's too many questions. But if it's one, two, and I'm looking at Ima Terbebe's profile and I'm like, holy shit. This, this, I, this, okay, he's got the lower 40 time, but you know, other than that, like, I love this profile. And, and then, but here we go, breakout age. 28th percentile ish what's the deal here so i do some digging because if 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 there's nothing there with the breakout age and you add in the speed then that's two you know the 40 yard dash time then that's a couple of serious question marks Mm -hmm. and so you want to find out as much as you can and you gotta when he's got a very high speed score no i think his I would have to look again, but a pretty high speed score. And then the lower 40 yard dash time, you got to wonder what's going on. there. Right. And then, so you look at it and you say breakout age and I'm like, okay, this makes sense now. Cause he transferred from USC after an ankle injury. You could see why I would take him some time to get going. Looks like he dealt with some injuries in his final year, but you know, it, the breakout age aspect then makes sense. And, you know, like you talked about with Ayuk. So it's very important to do that because you can miss out on a player if you're not careful with that stuff. If you're looking at a profile and it looks damn near solid, but there's a question or two, look into that question or two and try and understand why it's there. Is, is there maybe a good reason that you can kind of strike that off and, and kind of forget about that? So love that you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off. Please continue on. That's right. So the, the first player we're going to talk about, you had actually mentioned already, and that was Warren Jackson out of Colorado State. And, and the reason I mentioned the college, in particular Colorado State, in the NFL right now, there are nine players, nine active players came from Colorado State. Four of those nine are wide receivers, most notably is Michael mm. Gallup, but also that includes Rashard Higgins for the Browns, Preston Williams mm. of the Dolphins, Ola B.C. Yep. Johnson of the Minnesota Vikings. There's And all four of those guys have come into the NFL since 2016. Like Colorado State is starting to kind of become a NFL producer of, of wide receivers there. Like that's, that's what they're known for. There's nine players from Colorado State in the NFL and four of them are wide receivers. So Warren Jackson is kind of following the shoes here. And at 6'6", 215 pounds, and a little skinny there. But my goodness, 6'6", you can't teach height, that's for sure. So and, and so you mentioned he hit a thousand yard season. He followed that role. It's it started since Richard Higgins, the number one receiver in, in the Colorado State offense. It produces. And usually the reason these guys only have maybe one productive season is they're having to wait their turn. They're having to spend two years as like the number two or number three guy. And then they get a year Mm. of being the guy. They have a productive season. They do just enough to be able to get drafted. And then they go to the pros. And and most of these guys have been 
fantasy relevant at some point. Not the only guy that has right. it yet is Ola BC Johnson. And, and I say yet, I, I don't think Ola BC will do anything. And it's sad. No, me. but he, he did have a, a few, a handful of games because I play in some pretty deep dynasties where I had him rostered and, yeah. and I ended up having to use him in flex a couple of times and he did all right. I yep. mean, he's had a couple of games where he was all right. So yes, definitely. Um, obviously the least out of all of them, but very, very good points. And, and with Warren Jackson, I, I do like him. And you mentioned eh, he's a little skinny and that's a little worrisome, but he can bulk up a little man. Yeah. Can't teach height and watching some of that dude's highlights. I'm like, Holy shit. So definitely someone else I'm keeping an eye on. Absolutely. But to, but to continue going deep here, the, there's two other receivers that, that caught my attention that these are guys you're probably looking at, Third round of your rookie draft, maybe even fourth round. But first guy is a guy by the name of Barlin Williams. First thing that stands out mm, to me is his college. Yes. He, he went to Central Florida. And for those that haven't been keeping up with Central Florida wide receivers, uh, the two most recent receivers, one is Gabriel Davis, who scored seven touchdowns as a rookie last year on the Buffalo Bills. And the guy before him is Traquan Smith in 2018, who's drafted in the third round of NFL traps. So you got two guys that have day two picks. And when we talked about Warren Jackson being the, the, that next trend at Colorado state of like Eric Gallo or Higgins and Gallup and Williams, mm. and Ola BC, Marlon Williams has followed that same trend where it was Traquan Smith. And now it, or then it was Gabriel Davis and now it was Marlon mm-hmm. Williams. So when you pull up his stats and you go, well, he was only like productive his junior season, he had NFL talent in front of him. And like right. we discussed earlier, it's you want to ask the questions. Well, in this case, why wasn't there an earlier breakout age? Well, when you got NFL talent in front of you, you do have to kind of wait. And his teammate right. score of 25.0 on the Breakout Finder app, that is actually right behind a receiver we didn't talk about. And I'll talk a little bit about him after I drop my, my other guy, but Elijah Moore that played at Ole oh, yeah. Miss. Like Ole Miss is an SEC school. That teammate score at Ole Miss should be a lot higher than Central Florida. So Central Florida's been developing NFL talent at receiver. Marlon Williams at six foot, 215 pounds. Like that is, that's good slot receiver size. I, I, I'm yes, not sir. certain if he's a slot receiver. I don't know if he can. I, I didn't watch like him play in the slot or anything, but I saw that. I was like, oh, put him in the slot. Give him those short passes, yeah. see what he can do. Now, the, the other guy, the other deep that I want to say you can get this guy in the fourth round is Jalen Darden from University of North Texas. That school is not known for producing any talent. In fact, I looked it up. Currently, there, there's UNT players in the NFL. None of them have been drafted. It's UNT is not known for producing talent. Now, Jalen Darden, though, man, the advanced analytics that he put up, a 61 0.1% dominator rating. That's 99th percentile. Holy mm-hmm. crap. He had a 35.1% target share. That was 95th percentile. Like UNT didn't have anything besides Jalen right. Darden. And, and if you're going to be at a school that isn't loaded with talent, like an Alabama or Clemson, how each year they've always got the top talent. If you're going to be at these smaller schools that don't have much, you know, that's going to be a knock against you, but the way that you can counter that is be basically the, the whole offense. And that's what Jalen Darden did. He is small. 
He's 5'9", 174 pounds. A guy from last year's rookie class that kind of stands out to me. I, I didn't see any, any workout metrics for Darden, but if he's fast, which I've heard that he's run some official 40-yard uh, dashes that were pretty dang fast, kind of reminds me of Darnell Mooney. And Darnell Mooney mm-hmm. last year in the NFL draft, he was a fifth-round pick, drafted 173rd overall on player profiler. I love the big board that they have on Dynasty Deluxe. Currently with Jalen Darden, they have him at 116.6. That's, that's in the what, fourth round or, yeah, fourth round, fourth round. So mm-hmm. you're getting him right around where Darnell Mooney is. Man, you find the, find the right team like Chicago last year or Darnell Mooney. They, I think whatever right. team's getting Darden. If they if there's holes on the depth chart there, that's a guy that could produce in year one, and you may be getting them in the fourth round because he went to UNT. <laughs> and then just briefly, this player is big. Dude than had nineteen team. fucking touchdowns last year. Holy moly! Jalen Darden, nineteen touchdowns. Okay, anyway, that's crazy. Continue. UNT probably scored twenty on the season. That's. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, this this other guy is not a sleeper. Elijah Moore, that should be a name that even if you've just barely started to look into rookies, like you know about him. The, the interesting thing with him is that it's he's going to be a perfect example of analytics versus film. Because what I mm. feel is going to happen is Elijah Moore is going to get compared to Kadarius Tony, Not for analytics purposes, but there's people that watch film that love Kadarius Tony us analytics people we look at the numbers and we go what do you see in this guy nothing stands out but Elijah Moore on the analytics side had back-to-back seasons 30 plus percent target share now the problem because Elijah Moore is projected to have third round NFL draft capital if you look at the big board on player profilers dynasty deluxe and Kadarius Tony I'm baffled, but it's he's currently projected to be a first-round pick. So that becomes the ultimate test of how much do you value draft capital versus analytics? Because that could be right. a comparison for last year's rookie class is Henry Ruggs had none of the analytics, but he had first-round NFL draft capital. And on the other side, you had Tyler Johnson, who had all the analytics but had fifth-round NFL draft capital. Which guy would you prefer? maybe a bit of a coin flip at this point with the way they performed their rookie seasons. Tyler Johnson flashed a little bit, limited opportunities. Henry Ruggs, I I don't even know if he played because he was so quiet last year. Give me Tyler Johnson all day. (laughs) That's who I take. But I love it. I love it, man. Okay. Anything else on wide receivers or should we move on to tight ends? Let's move on to one of our favorite positions. Let's get to those tight ends. All right. Let's wrap it up with the tight ends. Kyle Pitts, obviously everybody loves him. I get it. I know. Don't disagree. Not arguing, but you could wait and get you some Brevin Jordan. And I know. There's someone you'd like to talk about. But with Brevin Jordan, I just want to mention 90th percentile college dominator rating, 78th percentile yards per reception, 99th percentile breakout age, 6'3", 245 pounds. As a senior, he only played eight games, 576 yards, seven touchdowns, 71.7% catch rate. 
And and just like Mr. Kyle Pitts, he'll be 21 at season's start. So, I mean, there's not a lot of difference in those two guys, if you ask me, at, at, at least on paper. Now, I get the fascination with Pitts, but I, be, I do feel like Brevin Jordan could be really sneaky awesome. And then, well, no, no, no. I'll let you go with your guy, and then we'll get into some we'll, – I'll get into my other guy. But you go ahead and get into your guy first. And, and, and let me know what you think about Mr. Brevin Jordan, if you'd like. Certainly. Well, I'm actually am going to start with Brevin Jordan because there's one thing I want to mention because you hit all a lot of the things that I love about Brevin Jordan. And I can't quit Miami tight ends. I, I've tried. I fell for David Njoku. <laughs> I fell for Chris Herndon. I said yep. – not again, never again. But Brevin Jordan, you see the analytics, and it's like, holy crap. Like, I, I hope the guy tests well. Everything I hear yes. is he should test well. And it just wouldn't be a podcast appearance from me if I didn't fit in Johnu Smith just once <laughs> into, into the podcast. <clears throat> because Brevin Jordan, 6'3", 245 pounds. Jonu Smith, 6'3", 248 pounds. Jonu Smith had top-notch workout metrics. If Brevin Jordan tests athletic, as athletic as we believe he will be, along with the insanely high 90th percentile college dominator, the 99th percentile breakout age, Jonu Smith was a 100th percentile breakout age. Like I'm telling you, on-player profiler, if he – if he goes and does all the workout metrics and those bars are up high, I'm, his number one player comp is going to be Jonu Smith. He will, be Smith. A clone. Yeah. he will be a clone of him. So Revan Jordan, Jonu Smith clone. But, Love it. But my guy in this one, this tight end class, the guy I'm about to mention, reason I love him so much is take the tight ends from last year's class. That was a bad tight end class. I would take the guy I'm going to mention over all the tight ends from last year's class. Last year's class was trash. Last yeah. year's class was trash. This mm. tight end class, Kyle Pitts, we know he's a freak. He's athletic freak. Brevin Jordan, absolutely taking him over the other guys. Hunter Long, though, this guy. Yes. 23.3% target share in 2020. Like for a tight end to have over a 20% target share, that's absurd. That is it's you don't find that very often he's right. also going to be one of these extremely young tight ends you talked about brevin jordan's age you talked about kyle pitt's age guess what hunter long's gonna enter the draft at 21 years old he's we're gonna fit john smith in again hunter long gets drafted day two on a four-year contract he'll enter free agency as a 25 year old just like john smith who knows maybe at that point tight ends will get uh, a four-year, $80 million contract. But right. Hunter Long, is, is he lined up in line, slot, out wide. He lined up everywhere. He can, he's big enough. He can, do, he can block, which is good because that's going to get him on the field his rookie season. Sometimes when these, when these tight ends are not big enough or they don't have enough technique as a blocker, they're stuck as a backup barely playing for the first season or two. But I'm not concerned about that with Hunter Long. The guy's got size. The guy's good. The guy can block. He can catch. He can do it all. I believe he's going to, day one, he's going to come out and start producing. And 
the tight ends last year, Adam, Adam Troutman, we, we like him in the analytics, uh, in the analytics group, but that's still a guy that came from, Oh, I'm blanking on his college, but uh, some small college, you know, <laughs> Hunter mm. Long produced in, in a big, in a power five conference. So with, right. with tight ends, like, and the best thing too, in this class is with all the receivers we talked about, it's a deep quarterback class. Running backs are going to go as well. Kyle Pitts, you'll have to draft in the first round if you want him. And that's, I think that's why that's our number one reason why you and I don't particularly like him in rookie drafts. Not that he's a bad player. He's fantastic, but look, right. tight ends going in the first round of rookie drafts, just in recent history, David and Joku. Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, are any of those owners happy that they drafted him in the first round? Maybe the Hawkinson owner, but that's they're still kind of waiting for that. Like I'm pretty happy with Noah Fant. I didn't draft, I didn't draft him at all. I traded for him in a couple of leagues, so I probably did it the smarter way. Yeah, but that's what I'm you do. I'm happy with Noah Fant. Yeah, and I feel, I, 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 I'm I got happy with Fant. Hopes for Fant. I'm happy for Fant, and I did the same thing. That, that you did where I didn't draft him in the first round. I got him in a trade. Like, but that's, that's like drafting tight ends in the first round. It's golly. It's the only way it works for Kyle Pitts is he has to be top three tight end day one and anything yeah. less. And it's like, that was a waste of a first round pick. I've seen him. I've seen it where people talk about in dynasty rookie drafts. They're going with him. 103, 104. And I'm like, that's, okay Insane. i mean you, you do you do you but like that i'm not because we didn't even talk about uh pat fire fire I, I know the player i just can't pronounce the dang name but the fryer yes he <laughs> his name's fun to say good old penn state <laughs> penn state produces these freak athletes uh, mike jacecki <laughs> 95th percentile amongst workout metrics well i have any for for Pat, we're just going to call him Pat. But the Pat, Pat Firemuth, uh, well, just Pat, <laughs> dang it, just Pat. Like, I, I saw a player profiler that right now in their rankings, they where he's at, you could have him outside the top two rounds in rookie drafts, like mm. in the third round of a rookie draft. Good old Pat, who's big old boys, 6'5", 258 pounds. He's big. He can, he can block. He can line up the – I read the reports. He also played out wide. He played in the slot. He lined up in line. Like, hey, you take Kyle Pitts in the first round and then take a gamble on a running back receiver in the third round. I would prefer to take, I don't know, Javante Williams, a Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman in the first round. And then in the third, in the third round, if Pat's still there, I'll take Pat. Pat, no last name. Patty F. <laughs> so with tight ends, this is a good class, but you don't have to get Kyle Pitts to get a good tight end. You could wait till the third round, maybe probably the fourth round too. Yeah, like like I said, I, me personally, I'm going Brevin Jordan too, but I do like both Hunter Long and Patty F right after that. But I also I also got someone else I like, someone you could get even later. And that's a one Quentin Morris of Bowling Green, 22 years old, 6'2", 243 pounds. So similar to Brevin Jordan and your beloved Johnu Smith. He runs a 4'7", 140-yard dash, burst score 
in the 67, 62nd percentile, college dominator in the 97th percentile, breakout age in the 85th percentile. Now, this is all very, very interesting, I think. And it makes me wonder why he's so far down there. It has to be, well, the Bowling Green, right? It has to be the school. And he actually does have some workout metrics. And I mentioned the speed score and, and the 40-yard dash. So this is someone we actually have some of those workout metrics on. And you can you look at those combined with his college dominator, breakout age, and there's a lot to like there. And maybe he goes late. And, you know, you got to worry about that with, well, any player in the draft going on day three, that's always throws up the question mark. But there's still been plenty of producers. And, man, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But there's so much to like about his profile. So hopefully he can get drafted and hopefully he can get to a decent landing spot where there's not a ton of competition so that he can kind of grab the coach's attention. Cause I have got a little bit of faith in Mr. Quentin Morris. Well, and there's one other Bowling thing. Green. There's one quick thing about him that I just discovered is What's that? that these past two seasons, he has had a, an excellent target share. We talked about how it's so rare to find these target shares 20% higher for tight ends, right? And you go, okay, well, what happened the year before these past two seasons, right? The 20. Oh, yeah, that's season. right. Yeah. Yep. So there's a, there's a certain player that just won a Super Bowl. His name's Scott Miller. Scott Miller in Bowling Green from 2016 to 2018. He had target shares of 20% or higher for three straight seasons. And then when he left after the 2018 season, that whole offense switched to focusing around Quentin Morris. So we're talking about this is an alpha guy. And the guy that was keeping those opportunities from him was a guy that got drafted, that was good, good enough to make the team. And he made plays. Scott Miller made plays for the defend, mm-hmm. the, the now defending Super Bowl champion. I almost said New England Patriots. Wow, that is it takes some getting used to. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, Tom Brady, yes. why do you have to do this to me? The but, Tom Brady Buccaneers. But I the I just like made that connection because I was sitting there and I love Scott Miller. And I was like, wait, bowling green. I'm like, no way. And I pulled this and pulled this up right here on the air. So Quentin Morris, that was a guy. They didn't switch to a receiver during the offense through. They switched to a tight end. This is really mm-hmm. good news for Quentin Morris. I love it. I love it. And I missed that part. I do remember reading through his profile and seeing the high percentages. Didn't write it down, obviously. You added that in along with the Scotty Miller stuff. I love it. See, the March Heron, this is why we work so well together. <laughs> okay. Anything else on tight ends? And I believe we've got, we, we talked about the top ones. We talked about a, a slight sleeper in Hunter Long. I don't really count him as a sleeper. And you gave us a great one to target those last rounds. You, whether you have a four or five round rookie draft, like, man, you got a late round pick into the draft, man, just smash, smash it with Quentin Morris. You're not going to be disappointed. This guy looks no. like he is set up to be a fantasy relevant tight end. Right. Completely agree. And you might even be able to get him after the draft on the waiver wire. I remember there was a couple of leagues where I got James Robinson on the wire 
after the draft. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Next thing you know, a few months later, I'm like, whoo, that was one of the best waiver wire pickups ever. Anyway, <laughs> good rookie chatter. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I'm sure the people have uh, about heard enough of us. So we'll go ahead and get into, uh, you know, breaking down this tea party and getting the fuck out of here. All right, let's go ahead, wrap this tea party up. And for those interested, next week, next week on the pod, we're going to be doing a little game called Teams from a Hat. I'm so excited about this. I am so excited about this. And we're going to do AFC next week, and then we'll go NFC the week after that. And we'll basically, I'll be pulling teams out of a hat. This hat, as a matter of fact, I love this hat. It's a really a very mad hatterish hat. And so we'll be pulling team names out of a hat. And I wish I had the little, remember the little plastic football helmets you used to get in like the quarter machines? I wish I had those. We could use those. But alas, we'll use paper and written names. <laughs> and we'll go through and we'll just kind of discuss you know, each team's position as we come up to the draft. What what are their team needs? What what are what would we like to see from them? What are some of the landing spots some of these top guys could potentially go to? So that's what we kind of do a little fun stuff leading up to the draft because, hey, we're getting there. We're getting there. And Aaron, did you have any final thoughts on well, everything we discussed? I've got one quick final thought here. Because we were laughing our asses off, off, off the recording here, because we decided to dig a little deeper in Quentin Morris. Because we noticed we're like this guy had zero touchdowns despite a target share of over thirty five percent. It's like okay, well, man, was he was he just unlucky to not score touchdowns? No, it turns out Bowling Green quarterbacks threw one touchdown in five games last season. One. A touchdown and Quentin Morris just wasn't lucky enough to be the, the one guy to catch a touchdown did everything else right. in the receiving game but poor Quentin Morris if you're just looking at the box score you're missing out on this guy yeah that that, that is funny because I didn't miss that too and that part I did not know one touch and and it's it's like I also said off pod like you got to remember these smaller schools, like it's also got to be taken into account the quarterbacks that are throwing some of these guys, the ball, <laughs> because there's some pretty shit play uh, with some of those, with some of those teams, no, no offense or offense, whatever. <laughs> so anything else, Aaron, anything uh, else, my friend, I believe that's it. We have covered all four positions of rookies and when i believe that people listening to this if they hadn't prepared for rookie drafts we gave them everything we talked about the names they've definitely heard about talked about the kind of the deeper names we even gave them the the extremely deep names guys coming from schools that we didn't know existed before this year <laughs> right correct love it well i do i do have a little something uh uh before we get out of here non football related because that's just how i roll and it it, it concerns space because i'm i'm a big lover of space i watch like I, i'm telling you this discovery plus app man i love this shit it is fantastic how the universe works uh I, like all this stuff i just get a kick out of it and 
there's an asteroid that uh, NASA has been keeping a close eye on. Apophis is the name, which is is based on a an Egyptian god, I believe, the god of chaos. Yes, Apophis. Uh huh. And and so this one, they were worried was going to be a little bit too close to us. But recent calculations show that it won't hit Earth. Okay, for at least a hundred years. Okay, so for the next hundred. We should be in the clear from Apophis, the god of chaos, asteroid. And I, I just, I don't know where you're at on space stuff, but me, it's not just the space, it's the idea of aliens. I mean, we've seen recently the Pentagon admit they've got videos and a, and a program and all of this, and I find it all fascinating. And I just, I love to talk about it. And I just, I don't know personally how how there couldn't be something besides us out there. I mean, if you look at what we believe to be the beginning of the universe, which is like almost 14 billion years ago. And then you look at when earth, when, when life was first found on earth and that was like three point something billion years ago. So you look, there's like a 10 billion year gap between life on earth and the beginning of the universe. Nothing. You're telling me nothing happened in that time? It, it's just, I personally feel like the universe is probably a lot more like Star Wars than any of us realize. And as a matter of fact, I just think uh, that maybe Earth is just kind of like, we're, we're the black sheep of the universe. Like, they're, they're just kind of like, yeah, we don't really fuck with the human. Sometimes we go there and visit because there's some cool shit to see. But we always tell everybody, like, like you know, don't fuck with the locals because the humans are just, they're just kind of crazy. So just go look at the mountains and shit and leave the humans be. And then you know, you got the jokester aliens that are out there pulling people up in the spaceship and probing them and stuff. And, you know, they're just sitting there laughing their ass off high on space weed, you know, just probing the humans in the ass. Like, so that uh, it sounds great. <laughs> just a little bit of my thoughts on. on <laughs> I'll say my takeaway on this asteroid is you said it's named after the god of chaos, right? Yeah. And, and that's telling you something when an asteroid named after the god of chaos comes this close to Earth in 2021 after the year we had in 2020, which was just filled with chaos. And even the asteroid's right. like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> right. The asteroid said, no, I'll check back in 100 years. We'll and, check it. We'll see then. And with the, if there's aliens out there, we're we probably keep them at bay because they know if they mess with us, they're going to get canceled. <laughs> so true. Dude, I don't know if you're on Reddit or not, but there is some great stuff on, on Reddit pertaining to just space aliens. One of my favorites is, is called shit Americans say, because while, while I'd consider us very, cool americans <laughs> some of them man they really make us look bad man <laughs> they, they really do and uh, i don't know why i'm subscribed to that other than it is funny because it and, it and you do wonder some of it's so bad you're like they've got to be trolling right 
like there's not anyone that's that stupid but i think back to uh, all my jobs in the years of the restaurant industry and i can recall uh some quite stupid people so i guess i shouldn't be surprised if there's really americans saying shit like that but anyway i digress thank you aaron for coming on i very much appreciate it man and 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 hey I, we gotta quit putting it as just coming on i mean you're part of the crew. You're part of the tea party, dude. So we'll just plan on every week until you get tired of, of, of my madness. If, if that ever happens. Well, sometimes, you know, as much as I like being behind the keyboard, typing up articles, it's nice to be able to get a voice out there and, and, and talk about these players. And, and sometimes my sense of humor in my, my articles and on Twitter, uh, it, it could be miss or it could be misinterpreted. So you can, you can get all the sarcasm, uh, all the smart assness re- remarks that, that I say, right. you can understand that I'm just joking about 95% of the time. And Hey, if people follow the pod, they can get, you know, to know you, me a little bit about our personalities, and then they'll be able to feel that come through a little better in the writing too. So, Absolutely. you know, Lots of reasons to check out the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. And Aaron just adds a bunch more reasons to check it out. And check us both out on Twitter, me at RMK Madness and Aaron Stu09. Check us both out on the Twitters. And also don't forget to check out my other podcast, the Miscellaneous Debris Podcast. Yes, and Aaron will be appearing in that this week as well. A little Game of Thrones discussion for the peoples. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Aaron, thanks for joining. Thanks for being a part of the show. Say goodbye to the peoples. In Dynasty Wonderland, it's nice being here again. I'll be back next week. Yes. Next week it is. Till then, stay safe, stay vigilant, stay mad. Yes. Until then, ta-ta for now. Latest!